And I'm convicted as I say these things because I wonder if social media is making it take us 40 years to gain victories that should only take 11 days. I wonder if our addiction, our justification of the time it takes, all those things, I wonder if we're feeding our distractions and staying stuck because frankly, we don't wanna do the radical thing we need to do and just get off. Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compare To Podcast. This is Heather Creekmore, and this is my book launch week. I've got a brand new book. It's called The Burden of Better. I'm supposed to have a sign behind me, but everything that could go wrong has gone wrong with this book launch. Uh, Amazon has messed everything up. It's just been one problem after another. Uh, once we got Amazon straight, well, I don't know that we ever got Amazon straight, but they weren't taking reviews on the book. They weren't taking pre-orders on the book. Everything, like I said, that could go wrong has gone wrong. Um, but on September 22nd, Tuesday, September 22nd, it will be my official launch day. And I would just greatly appreciate it if you would consider heading over to Amazon or Christian Book or wherever you get your books from and purchasing a copy of this book, The Burden of Better. It's gonna help you find freedom from comparison if that's something you struggle with. And I think it's gonna teach you a lot about God's grace. And so if you are a believer or follower of Jesus Christ, I think it'll really encourage you. So I would encourage you to go grab a copy of it. In the first episode of this season, we're in season four of the Compared to podcast. In the first episode, I told you just a little bit more about this book. And I talked about one aspect of the book and how we can like turn comparison to worship. And it's, I think, a great story if I have to say so myself. So I would encourage you to go check out that first episode. But today I want to talk about something else that's in the book. And that is the way we engage with social media. And so there's a number of reasons why this is heavy on my heart this month. Obviously, if you're on Facebook, you know that Facebook especially has become a crazy place. It's a truly ridiculous conglomeration of conflicting information on everything from COVID to the candidates. It's polarizing. And if you're like me, just a few minutes on Facebook may make you angry. In fact, I hate to admit this, but the other day I was just sitting here in my chair scrolling Facebook and I got an alert on my Apple watch. And the alert was that they were concerned because my heart rate had gone too high for the amount of activity the watch knew I was doing. In other words, the watch knew I was sitting down and my heart rate got too high. Why did it get so high? Because I read something on Facebook that upset me. Like that's not healthy, right friends? But like beyond that, we all know that social media, all the different kinds of social media don't really help us if we struggle with body image comparison. We know this. 
And yet, where are we? We're on social media. It seems almost impossible to avoid. It's like we keep coming back. We're like the abused spouse who keeps coming back for more and more abuse because we can't leave. We're too attached. It hurts too much to leave. We don't want to go it alone because isn't that how it feels? If you go off social media, it feels like you're alone. But is that reality? So today what I want us to do is I want us to dig deep into why are we so attached to social media? I want us to talk about why we need to reevaluate almost everything we read and we see on social media platforms. And I want to encourage you, I hope, with some of the truths that I share in this new book, The Burden of Better, because I want to encourage you with ways that you can actually loosen the burden of better's grip, that you can loosen the grip of comparison. So I am really glad that you are watching or listening today. Hey there, how much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out, compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. So this week, I watched a documentary on Netflix called The Social Dilemma. Now, if you canceled Netflix because of a raunchy film called Cuties, like I totally get it. I may be doing that soon too. The content there has gotten ridiculous. There's not much good left. I will give you that. But if for some reason you still have Netflix like I do, before you cancel, (laughs) watch The Social Dilemma and you will be absolutely disturbed isn't that a great reason to watch it Um, by hearing and seeing just how social media is running and likely ruining our lives so some of my big takeaways from this documentary were these two statements the first one there are only two industries that call their customers users the drug industry and social media just let that sink in for a second and the second one is this and i may not be getting it exactly right but if you are not paying for the product you are the product That's startling, right? I mean, people love the free aspect of social media. It's free to be on there. But what is the real cost if we are actually the product? Like what this means is the platforms we're engaging on, like they're learning everything about us. They're learning what we like, what we don't like, what we'll stare at, what we won't stare at. They're getting so much detailed information about us, our preferences, our beliefs, everything, that they're able to very carefully craft advertising messages to us that are almost infallible. 
I feel like this is information we've known, though. Like, this isn't startling. We knew that. We knew that they were doing all kinds of extreme things to target us with ads. And honestly, most of that knowledge doesn't really bother us enough to get off of social media. We've kind of accepted this fact. Maybe even we've decided it's helpful. Like, I don't know. There have been times when I had a phone conversation with someone, like meeting my parents someplace really random and Little Rock, Arkansas. And I would get on Facebook and I would see traveling to Little Rock, Arkansas. And I would think never have I ever searched like vacations in Little Rock. Like we were, you know, meeting up there for some random reason. But somehow Facebook knew that I was going to be going to Little Rock. Um, Or there was this time I wrote this post for the Dallas Moms blog. And it was called Homeschooling Without a Denim Jumper, just talking about kind of the new generation of homeschooling moms. And my Facebook ads for the next month were denim jumpers, like no kidding. (laughs) Every ad on my sidebar was companies that sell denim jumpers. Um, It's strange, but it's also kind of eerie when this happens, isn't it? But what's concerned me most as I watched this documentary was this truth. As they explained how Facebook curates what you see and manipulates your engagement so you stay on their platform longer, they talked about how unique and specific to you this process really is. So in other words, even if you and your next door neighbor have all the same friends, you still have two completely different user experiences on Facebook. Well, why does this matter? Well, the words of one of the former social media executives in the film really jolted me. Your Facebook world becomes your reality. So if you've ever been talking to a friend about some issue of the day and you feel like they have like just completely different perspective than you do, if you feel like they live in an alternate reality, like wondering like how can they not see things the same way I do? Like the truth is that they do live in an alternate reality if they're on social media because their reality is very different than yours. So all those times you thought, boy, my friend is just not as informed as I am, or how can they have such a shallow understanding of these things? Or why don't they know the same truth that I know? It's because they really don't. They're seeing different articles, different posts. They're seeing different things than you are. They live in an alternate reality. The documentary also showed just how much more divided our country has become since the advent of social media. Politically, we're more polarized than ever. I mean, that's not a newsflash. But we're also polarized on a variety of different issues. It's pretty much like any issue out there that could divide us, like that's what social media is going for, right? They want us to have strong opinions one way or the other, and then they can kind of push us further into that box, further away from the other side, um, so that we are divided even more. Like even stupid issues, like remember that whole debacle over what color is the dress? I think it was like gold or blue or something. I don't know. But we get hung up on being right. And we get hung up on finding people who agree with us and also think we're right. And and we just become a nation and a world more divided. So I've been processing over the last few months, just personally, what's really underneath all this? Like, how can I as a Christian rightly engage in social media? How can I love people through social media? How can I engage others with truth and love on a platform like Facebook? I'm not sure I have all the answers to these questions, but there's one thing, it's really a big thing that I keep coming back to. And my thought process on this actually started when I read my friend Christine Hoover's book. It's called With All Your Heart. And she mentioned this concept and how it's leading us to elevated stress levels. She mentioned this context in the context of control and how we feel like we need to control more things. But I'm going to kind of take it to a 
different place today because I think that this concept really sheds a lot of light on what we're seeing and experiencing on Facebook now, especially in 2020. So the concept is omniscience and omnipresence. So if you've never studied the attributes of God, let me just kind of give you a 10 second primer on what this is. These are two qualities that God has and we don't. So omniscience is God's ability to know everything all at once, simultaneously. God knows it all. He knows what you're thinking right now. He knows what I'm thinking right now and everything else in between, right? Omnipresence, on the other hand, is God's ability to be everywhere at once, right? Like God is there with you in your room or wherever you are right now and he's here with me and he's everywhere all at once. Okay, this doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out. Obviously, we don't have omnipresence, right? And we don't have omniscience. And what's fascinating is when I was a kid, it was super clear that these were qualities of God that I could never experience, right? The truth is we were created as embodied people. We were created to experience life through this physical body that God put us in, right? That's what makes us distinct from God. God is not embodied, but we are. And we were designed to experience things through what we taste, what we smell, what we see, what we hear, what we touch. So enter social media. All of a sudden, I can experience things without my body. Suddenly, I can see things I could never see before. Unless I was actually in the room. It's just so crazy, friends. Like just to get your head around this, but it's confusing to our minds, right? Like I believe because we can start to think that we know a lot more than we actually do because we're on social media and we know things because we saw things, but we actually don't really know those things and we haven't really seen those things. And what this leads to is we can start to believe that we've experienced things that we've actually never experienced. So I'm gonna connect this to politics just for a second. Don't leave me if you're worried that I'm gonna go too far, I'm not. Some of you know that I worked in politics for uh, over a decade. I have a master's degree in public policy, so I'm actually probably a little bit more qualified to talk to you about who you should vote for than I am to talk to you about like the psychological aspect of body image. (laughs) But uh, that being said, I'm not gonna tell you to vote for, so don't get stressed out, don't worry. My goal is not to be polarizing, but I just wanna help you see what's happening to us in this information that we're fed. I'm seeing on Facebook is people who are irate over things in the realm of politics that aren't even real. They are so angered and so frustrated and fired up because they saw three minutes of edited video of something taken out of context. I see friends making voting decisions based on what they're seeing on Facebook and what they feel about what they've seen instead of actually remembering that we were designed to live life as embodied people. They don't know what happened unless they were in the room or unless someone who was in the room told them. And it's a really, really, I don't know, dangerous habit to take information from people who weren't actually there. So let me give you an example of this. How many of you have ever played telephone, right? Okay, when you play telephone, everyone's in the same room, right? But you have like, let's say six people line up in a row and one person whispers a silly sentence to the next person who whispers that same hopefully silly sentence to the next person and it travels till you get to the end and what happens every single time inevitably is that when you're playing telephone like the first person says something like Sally sells she shells by the seashore and by the last person it's turned into Sal sells stinky shells by seeing shorts I mean they're completely different right it happens every time it's a fun little kids game but friends when we get all of our information from Facebook aren't we just playing like this really big, dangerous game of telephone, 
right? There used to be different standards in the media, and there aren't anymore. There aren't those same standards for accountability, so we need to be careful. So when I worked in politics, I remember feeling so frustrated when ads would run against my candidate that were just untrue. And friend, this was like 20 years ago, like before Facebook existed. But I remember distinctly there was one commercial that came out. And I was standing there beside my candidate's six-year-old son at the time. And he was like, Miss Heather, why is daddy's head bouncing on the screen? Because what they had done is they ran an ad where they took my candidate's head and they literally bounced it on the screen and they made him look like he was a flip-flopper. And the commercial was true enough to go on television because he had voted yes and then voted no and then voted yes and then voted no. But it takes some understanding of the legislative process to understand fully that that wasn't flip-flopping at all. That's just the way the process goes. And when he was on city council, he had voted for a bill to support emergency services. And then someone added an amendment to it that he didn't like. So he voted against that bill. And then they took that amendment out and he voted for that bill. And then they added another amendment that he didn't like and he voted against that bill. And that's just the way the process works. That's part of creating legislation is the lots of different votes up and down. <laughs> and so it was true but it wasn't true. It wasn't fair. And so I don't want to belabor this with my stories, but instead I, I hope to convince you that that all truth in media at this point, friends, is negotiable truth. But the good news is that we actually have more access to firsthand information than ever before in our lifetimes. Like when I worked in politics, if I wanted a copy of a party's platform, I probably would have like had to fill out some formal request form and maybe given them five bucks for the photocopying. It was not easy to find out a party's platform. Now, all you have to do is look it up. So if there are issues that are important to you, don't take the media's word for it. They're twisting things. I encourage you, don't take Facebook's word for it. And certainly don't take people who did not pass ninth grade civics and are writing blog posts on the legislative process and talking about how the president writes bills. No, 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 the president doesn't make laws. That's not the way it works. Like, don't take their word for it either, friend. Just do the research for yourself. Like, take the five minutes and read the party's platforms. Like, it's all there to find. And so I would just I would just encourage you to do that. And then I'm going to leave politics alone. We're going to go back to social media, how it's harming us, and my new book, The Burden of Better, right after this quick break. So what role does social media play in the way we carry the burden of better? Let's go back to the concept of how God created us to live as embodied beings and how social media actually destroys that. So 20 years ago, I wouldn't have had any idea what the inside of your home looked like unless you invited me over. I wouldn't have known what you ate for dinner unless we were eating together. I would not have seen your vacation pictures unless you had me over after you got back and you made me sit there and look through your albums, which you probably wouldn't have done. All I knew about you then was what I experienced with you or because of you in my embodied state. Now, sure, back then comparison was definitely still a thing. I could see how cute you looked at church on Sunday and I could compare myself to you. You could tell me that you just got back from this great honeymoon type trip in Mexico and I could let my imagination run wild with what a wonderful time you had there and how much better your marriage is than mine because your husband takes you on fantastic trips. But it was limited to that. It was limited to what I knew through my embodiment. Now, I know exactly what your room looked like at the resort you stayed at. I know how 
cute you looked by the pool. I saw that selfie of you and your man and the look in his eyes. And I'm able to think, oh, does my husband look at me like that? I mean, because I'm experiencing all these things outside of my own embodiment, the opportunities to compare myself to you have just multiplied times a million. So 2 Corinthians 10.5 talks about doing something called, well, in the old King James, it used to say casting down imaginations. And newer versions read like this. The, the verse says this, 2 Corinthians 10.5, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. What this means is that every thought we have while we're scrolling needs to be paid attention to. You see, our thoughts matter. This also means that all of the propaganda being thrown our way, and I don't just mean political, I mean every type of propaganda, because let's face it, though we ourselves may not be consciously trying to send the message that we have a perfect life on Facebook, other people we know are. You are getting false messages about life from almost every person you follow, because all of these messages come out of context. They are all messages that you can only experience without your embodiment. And there are messages that can confuse and even depress you. So we must remember 2 Corinthians 10.5. And if you choose to scroll, you're going to have to also choose to take every thought captive and submit it to the truth of God's word. Is this possible? Yes. Yeah, I think it is. Is it difficult? Oh my word, absolutely. We scroll so fast that we don't even stop to think about the thoughts we're having with each thing we view. A few years ago in counseling, I learned to start paying more attention to the physical cues that my body was giving me if I was upset over something. Sometimes I would feel like nervous in my stomach or just feel like a general kind of depression or malaise. And I learned that I need to stop and figure out the source of that every time. And it's been so helpful to stop when I feel that queasiness in my stomach and say, okay, what's causing that? And sometimes it's dealing with, you know, an issue. Sometimes it's, it's just preaching the truth to myself, calling out lies and answering with the truth of scripture. Sometimes it's just reminding myself that I'm dwelling on something that's outside of my control that I don't need to dwell on, that I'm caught up in fear or anxiety and I have to surrender that to God. But I'm also learning that as I scroll, when I see something that evokes a strong feeling, I need to unfollow or hide that person immediately. Like there's a chance that if this thing that they posted made me feel bad, then other things that they post are gonna make me feel bad. So I do think that this is wisdom, but follow me here. The other side of that is realizing that every time I hide or unfollow someone that I disagree with, I'm helping Facebook learn what I agree with and what I like. And soon my feed will only be of people who think and act like me, which may be helpful in my comparison battle, but may also be subconsciously teaching me to only love people who are just like me instead of teaching me how to love others who are way different than I am. Now, let me be clear. Facebook is not the best venue we have to love others, period, right? Like that's not really what it's about. That's not what it was created for. But as Christians, that doesn't matter. We have a responsibility to act Christ-like wherever we are engaging. It's not an option not to. Are you tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out compare2who.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. this 
other aspect to our social media engagement that I've been wrestling with, and that's the concept of how to not cause our brother to stumble. So I wrote something on Facebook about this back in February. Because it has just been really heavy on my heart. And the passage that comes to mind is in Romans 14, verses 13 and 19. What Paul's really talking about in that passage is food and drink. Not eating or drinking something in front of others if it will cause them to stumble. Because our goal is to not lead others into sin, but instead to build others up and to pursue peace. And so Paul says in verse 17, For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So as I think about social media, I think about the sins of envy and covetousness. We don't talk about these as real sins most of the time. Too many of us are comfortable saying, I'm jealous of you, in a way that doesn't really lead us to any kind of immediate confession of sin. We've grown lax with, we've gone lax with categorizing this type of sin as actual sin that needs to be covered by Jesus grace. And that's something I explore a lot in my new book is is Jesus's grace. But as I think about not putting a stumbling block in front of my brother or sister, I wonder if that's even possible. When we post things on social media, is it possible to post things that don't cause others to feel envy? Like I feel like people try to do that when they post their like messy hair, no makeup selfies to show us how ugly, quote unquote, they are when they're natural. But I can still see those and find myself thinking, wow, her hair looks really good even when it's not done. Or wow, her skin's really good even without makeup. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that that we're consciously trying to post things on social media to make others envy. And, and so it's confusing as to what our level of responsibility is in that because ultimately I can't control whether or not you're going to sin. I can't control whether or not you're going to compare yourself, right? We're all only responsible for the most part for our own actions, right? But then I go back to this verse and Paul says, I'm also kind of responsible for putting a stumbling block in front of my brother. So do my posts on social media cause others to stumble in this way? Do they cause them to be envious or covetous? Am I more responsible than I think I am about the impact of my social media posts? I don't know for sure. I don't have a clear cut answer for you, but I do think it's something worth considering. I feel especially convicted about this when I'm with friends and I post a photo of our outing together. I don't I don't know if this has happened to you or not, but I have the thought because I've had the thought, but I have the thought like who's going to see that photo and feel left out? Who's going to think they were uninvited? Who's going to see that photo and feel depressed because they don't have any friends right now? Again, I'm not saying that I'm responsible for all of their reactions, but instead I'm asking to what level is it my responsibility as their sister in Christ to not cause them to stumble when it comes to social media? It's all messy, but These are thoughts I'm having and I hope you'll have them too. So friends, here's where I'm at today. I'm wrestling with how involved I want to remain in social media. I'm wrestling with the first Corinthians six principle that all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. I'm trying to decide if there are enough benefits of social media for me to justify it as taking up time in my life. Are there times when I come off of social media and feel edified and encouraged? Not really. Do I spend an hour on social media and feel refreshed? No. Do I scroll and think about how I can love people better? Probably not. Do I feel exhausted when I get off and really too exhausted to actually engage a neighbor or a real friend and too stressed out about whether or not their house is nicer than mine because I saw it on Facebook or whether or not, you know, they eat better than I do so I can't have them over dinner. Like all those things. Is social media keeping us out of real relationships in addition to harming us by engaging it? I don't know. It's something to think about. Like, I'm not trying to be an old fuddy-duddy in any way. I have many groups, 
that rely on social media as a way to convey information. If I were to leave Facebook, I'd be giving up thousands of followers for my blog. And I could easily make the case that they won't get encouragement on these comparison body image issues from anywhere else. So maybe I need to stay and be a beacon of light and hope. But friends, at the same time, I feel like social media is draining me. It takes a lot of energy for me to stay engaged there, and I'm not sure if it actually is making a difference. I'm seriously considering shutting down the Compared to Facebook page after this book launch is finished. So if you're following me on Facebook, like I hope instead you'll go connect with me on my website, join my email list, because I don't want to lose connection with you, but I'm just not sure if Facebook is the best place for us to connect. So back to Burden of Better, which by the way, did I mention it launches this week? If you will buy a copy this week, oh, please buy a copy this week if you're listening live or within a couple days. If you will buy a copy this week, there's all kinds of goodies. I've got a walking to lose the weight of comparison, like walking workout you can download. You can win a really cute tank top. In fact, I'm even giving away two free hours of consulting with me. Like I do body image comparison consulting. And so I'd love to just chat with you twice for an hour each time. So if you are interested in winning any of those things, please buy the book on September 22nd. If you're listening to this after my launch day, September 22nd, hey friend, go online. You can still get the walking workout. Um, The prizes and contests will be done, but get that walking workout anyway. I don't want you to miss out on that. But as we tie things up today, I just want to ask you just a simple question. Is social media helping your battle with body image and comparison or is it hurting it? It's a simple question, like I said, but if you're like me, it's easier to overcomplicate it. But can I encourage you? Take it to the Lord. He'll he'll guide you. I think back at the story of the Israelites wandering in the desert for 40 years. And I'm tempted to think how foolish those stupid people. They could have gotten there so much faster. Why did they keep wandering around? What I've read is the actual path that they traveled would have taken them 11 days. 11 days versus 40 years. But they were distracted. They had lessons to learn. They wrestled rebellion, idolatry, all the things that we still wrestle today. And I have to wonder at some point if they stopped caring about reaching the promised land, if they were so caught up in their own thing that focus on the end game was really hard. And I'm convicted as I say these things because I wonder if social media is making it take us 40 years to gain victories that should only take 11 days. I wonder if our addiction, our justification of the time it takes All those things. I wonder if we're feeding our distractions and staying stuck because, frankly, we don't want to do the radical thing we need to do and just get off. I'm saying this to myself as much as I'm saying this to you right now, friend, but we spend so much time scrolling other people's opinions. We spend more time doing that than we do reading our Bibles. And then we wonder why we feel discouraged and anxious. We spend so much more time looking at our friends' pictures than we do reading God's Word to get a clear picture of Jesus. It's not surprising that we feel depressed or like we're not good enough. If your child had a drug addiction, you'd do whatever it took to help them get free. But do we treat our social media addictions with the same level of seriousness? If I truly want to see you be free from comparison and body image issues, shouldn't I be encouraging you to delete social media as a form of rehab? I've given us both a lot to think about today, so thank you so much for listening, and I pray that some of these thoughts would be helpful to you. If they are, please just drop me a note, heather at comparedtohu.me. I'd love to hear from you. And I also want to thank you in advance for considering 
making a purchase of the new book, Burden of Better. I'd love to hear, after you read it, I'd love to hear whether or not you liked it, what you liked about it. In fact, five-star reviews on Amazon are like gold to an author. So I would really appreciate those if you really like the book. Um, that helps other people find it. Well, thanks again for listening and being a part of today's episode on this really important topic. If something in this today's episode touched you, share it with a friend right? Like we need, we need to get this message out. As always, I hope that something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. That's all for today. Bye-bye. Hello, my name is Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we're the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, check us out, Life After Addiction Podcast, and you can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.